Good morning, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes, sure can. Right. Little pre-show behind the scenes. Going to be starting the show in about four minutes. Todd, you on? You're. We can. I cannot hear you. I also cannot. Nobody can hear you, Chato. How about now? Yep, yep. Good. Push the fader up. No, I just clicked another button. Um, so yeah, it's a little, anybody who's joined us early, this is like a little bit behind the scenes. This is kind of just practicing here, I suppose, for like better term, <laughs> testing our mics and, and things like that. And we'll be going live here in a couple minutes um, of what's really going on in the show. So uh, yeah, sort of test everything. So everybody having a good morning so far? It's a great morning. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, <clears throat> a little overcast here in uh, Southern California. I think our June gloom is uh, starting a, a little early. And, uh, but that's okay. It keeps things nice and cool. Well, he's got some music going on in the background. And then this just seems to be working. Um, yeah, good stuff. So basically what's going to happen is we're going to, Brian's going to put you off the screen for a minute. Um, I'll do a quick introduction, bring you back on and then, then the show's live and, you know, if anybody's like, and then over here, there's, I don't know if we can see it or not, but there's a chat, um, in the chat area. That's more, mostly for the, uh, um, for the, uh, participants to, to chat in, you know, just talk to each other. And then we have a question section down here on the bottom, if you guys can see that. And that would be if anybody comes in and does check questions directly. Um, so what we're going to do after we do this show, the live show, we're going to rebroadcast a, a, right away to all the other uh, platforms. So um, if you guys want to go to LinkedIn um, and participate in the chat over there, you're more than welcome to. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the way we're kind of using this new Bullhorn platform. So, yeah, it's all it's all new for us as well. So we're still trying to. You guys are you guys are my uh, my guinea pigs on this. <laughs> Brian, you have any words of wisdom? Have fun. That's great, great, inspiring speech, Coach. <laughs> <laughs> Win. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think you can lose on a podcast. Oh, there's possibilities on that. <laughs> we, we had a guy. All the technology. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we had people that, you know, didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm not just, I, I'm not talking too much smack because I'm just about a little bit above, but, you know, can't find the any key and, uh, you know, we had some people do some, you know, um, we had a guy that came on and every, every time he, every time he did something, he was like, and, you know, in our store, we sell these earbuds, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, will you stop? You know, <laughs> I'm like, we're not here to, you know, we also have pens, you know, I was like, oh my God, this is <laughs> All right, everybody, it is 9 o'clock. We'll be right back to you.
Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, or good afternoon, depending on where you are at in this fine nation, or the fine world, I suppose. Um, I Exciting today, because we have two guests that we have talking about, uh, well, second careers, right? Moving emergency management from, we're moving to emergency management from what you did before to what you did today. Um, and I know that we have a lot of those questions that come across, so I'm really excited to have uh, Jill and Cassandra here with me today. You know, this is a Climb and Lift sponsored event, or I don't say sponsored because they're not paying for anything, but uh, uh, a Climb and Lift event uh, through IEM. And what it is, is we're highlighting um, women um, in emergency management and Cassandra and Jill. Welcome to the show. Jill. There we go. Hey, Tom. Thank you. Good morning. So, second career. So, you guys are just decided to want to bring more pressure onto your life and said, emergency management looks like a great position to go to. Is that how, is that how it went? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, we'll start with Jill. Jill, give us a little bit of your background uh, before emergency management. Um, because I think your story is, you know, super interesting as well. Everybody's story is super interesting, you know, of like how we got there. Because what I've noticed is that the path to emergency management, um, as I very, very few, I've only met two, uh, you know, high school kids that were in high school are like, I want to be an emergency manager when I grow up. You know, it's more like, oh, I have no clue even what that is until all of a sudden you find it and you fall in love with it. And let's go to Jill's story. Jill, go ahead with your. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened to me. When I was in high school, I did not know emergency management was a thing. So I'm excited to hear that at least two people um, in high school know about it. Um, but my career journey started um, really when I was in uh, college at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, I have a degree in um, exercise and sports science with a concentration in sport administration. So I actually worked in the sport event world Um for a couple of years after college, producing uh, marathons and half marathons across the United States and Canada. Um, and my role with those races was pretty much everything except marketing. So working with um, local governments to permit the race, getting vendors on, um, course design, course logistics, that, that was my um, area of focus. And while working with this company, and I was involved with the vast majority of their races, there were times when I, we would walk away from races and we were like, oh, if we had a thunderstorm pop up, we would have been in bad, bad shape or um, a number of close calls. And um, while nothing bad happened, it was like, if something bad happened, it could have been really bad. So um, I started kind of getting down this road of event safety. And I'm like, well, that's not really what I'm trying to get at career-wise, but it's close enough. Um, and then when I was actually working on a race in North Carolina on their permit, I'm like, the person I'm talking to is from their office of, of emergency management. What is that? Because I thought emergency management was just FEMA. Right. Um, so I started to do some Googling and I was like, oh, this is actually a really cool career path. I could do pretty much everything that I like about producing races, but make it my career. Think about everything that could go wrong and figure out how to prevent them from happening or at least be better prepared for when they do happen. Um, 
I decided to go back to school, um, get a master's. Um, I went to North Dakota State University, which that was a adventure in and of itself, moving from North Carolina to North Dakota in December. Um, and while I was at NDSU, that's of course where I was able to dive into emergency management, both from an academics perspective um, and then also in practice. I worked with the state um, during their COVID response efforts back in 2020 and then was fortunate to land an internship with Zoom, which is where I was exposed to business continuity. Um, and that's where I was like, this is what I want to do. I like private sector EM and it's been, that, that's the path I'm down now and I've, I've loved it. So this is not an emergency management question, but we talked about this before. So you're in North Carolina. Did you like Google North Dakota and like snow before you chose to go there? Um, I, I didn't. Um, my, I was looking at schools and I wanted an in-person um, learning experience. Um, of course, we were remote most of my first year, but in um, North Dakota quickly became top of the list. And of course, when I first flew out to visit the school, it was in September. So oh, beautiful. Right. Yeah. yeah, it was beautiful. I'm like, the weather's nice, low humidity, um, the program's great. Um, and then, yeah, I, I get stuck in Minnesota on my way to North Dakota in December because I-94 is shut down because of a blizzard. So it was a, I, I didn't think that through. I, I think <laughs> if I were to do it again, maybe starting um, fall semester. Right. <laughs> That's how they get you. They're like, oh, look at this beautiful time. And you're like, oh, this is gorgeous here. It's like, whap, snow. <laughs> yeah. A white blanket occurs. <laughs> and I almost got stuck there uh, when I moved back to North Carolina um, after I graduated in December. I was right in between uh, two snowstorms. So, oh, nice. Yeah, if you're lucky enough to get there, you, you might not get out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happened to Carol, right? She got stuck there, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cassandra, so your story is a little bit more traditional, I guess, if you will, from your background. So let's talk about your background because our, our stories are very similar. Yeah, so um, I have um, nearly 20 years in EMS, um, started uh, my career as a paramedic in um, Minnesota, and then um, moved to the Atlanta, Georgia area, and the last 15 years of my career was there. Um, for me, it was, um, I, I got my first exposure um, when I was... Um, transporting evacuees um, coming into Atlanta um, from the 2010 Haiti earthquake. Um, and then um, again in 2011, when um, the mass tornado outbreak in the Southeast occurred, um, watching the way um, EMS responded um, really triggered something in me. Um, I didn't I didn't understand why it didn't seem quite as organized as it could be. Um, and um, that really got me thinking about how I could work at improving EMS response, um, particularly um, to disasters. Um, and in 2014, I decided to go back and um, 
finish out my degree and did my undergrad in emergency management. And then um, six months later, started my master's program and um, also in emergency management with a focus on planning. Mm. Um, and I, my hope really was to continue with uh, the agency that I was with and um, strengthening their capabilities to um, disasters. Um, but that was not in the cards for me. Um, however, um, I did get a lot more exposure with them. It was, I had great opportunities, um, like working with the Georgia Emergency Management, um, evacuating um, the vulnerable population off of the Georgia coast during hurricane season. Um, I also got to work with the Atlanta Braves um, and at their stadium during concerts, other events, baseball games, um, at, in their in-game operation center um, as med ops. Um, so I had great opportunities, um, just wasn't able to transition it into what I thought it was that I wanted to do in emergency management. You know, Emergency management um, in the event space is something that I think is underutilized, right? And and um, because I think I've gone to a few, I've gone to, I've participated in in uh, the the planning and and you know, for uh, for concerts, you know, large concerts, and uh, we you know we think of okay, let's you know, do medical stuff, but I don't I don't know if anybody ever sat down and. I mean, maybe they have, and I might be talking out of turn here. So if they have, please correct me on this. Um, but really sat down and thought about like what, like, I mean, what happens if there is this, you know, mass event that occurs. So like the Boston, you know, Jill with your thing with the with the Boston bombings, you know, it occurred. Uh, you have the um, um, the uh, mass casualty incident with the Long Long Beach with the Los Angeles Marathon uh, that happened a few years ago due due to heat. I forget how many patients uh, went out on that. And I mean, they had so many, they didn't have enough ambulances on standby to, to even deal with half the issue. So, I mean, do, do we think about that stuff when we have uh, events? So I'm going to pop back over to Jill since you had that experience. Did you think about mass casualties when you were planning for your, your races? No, not, not in that case. I mean, we always thought, you know, let's of course have medical at the finish line um, and on the course because it's, People will pass out after races sometimes, um, but for an event to turn into a mass casualty event, especially something caused by heat, I, I don't think that's something that is um, thought of until it happens. Um, and and then at that point, it's like it's too late and you might be more prepared for the next event, but you're not prepared for the event today. Right. And, and Cassandra, same same question. When it comes to like, you know, you did med ops at a baseball game. I mean, there's thirty five thousand people running around that stadium. I mean, there's there's potential for for chaos, right? Oh, oh yeah, and um, there is there is some planning that goes in. Now, luckily, in the stadium, um, they did actually do quite a bit of planning. Um, but I've I have worked other events where. Um, there was really no planning. EMS um, medical needs was an afterthought, um, and that's where that's that's what kind of got me. And um, um, I saw that as a huge risk 
um, that was just not ever being addressed. Um, my hope is is that that begins to change, right. um, but I'm not I'm not seeing much progress at this time. I mean, what was it? Just a couple? What was it? I don't know. My timeline's off. I'm really bad with timelines. Um, when was that uh, that event in Texas where the with that concert where all those people? Um, had you know got crushed and stuff it was like some sort of rap concert right um it just it seems to happen more often um that we we hear about it we go oh this is tragic we should do something about it and then you hear about it again you know there was a, i remember uh, many years ago that there was um in massachusetts there was a, a rock concert uh with pyrotechnics and it caused a fire and hundred and something people died you know i mean so anyway, we're not here to talk about that stuff. And just kind of, we just got me thinking, and I'm going down that rabbit hole right now uh, about event planning because both of you had that experience in, in emergency management. It seems like that's an area that we probably should shore up a little bit. I think. So transitioning. So Jill, you you transitioned. You went to school. You got a, a, a internship, which got you to where you are today. And Cassandra, what was your transition? What did you, what did you what did you do? Um, so, um, I, I had, I had a lot of experience, but, um, I didn't feel like I had a lot of background knowledge. So that's what drove me to go back to school. But, um, in the end, um, my transition was really like pulling off a bandaid. I, I, I was not going to be able to get as deep into EM as I wanted to in my career. So I just had to take that leap. And, um, and I did, I, I left my job. I didn't have another job. Um, I was, I just knew that if I didn't do it, I was too comfortable where I was. So if I didn't do it, I wasn't going to ever do it. Um, I had been, applying here, there to things that piqued my interest. But I realize now that even in my um, interviews, I was not showing the passion that I had. It was, um, it was more of just going through the motions um, because I was afraid. Mm. I, was, I was going to walk away from something that had been my life. And, um, that, that was scary. Um, but in the end, it's probably been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. I think it's funny how people, and, I, and I'm one of them, right? So it's not like I'm, I'm throwing any rocks, um, in, in the emergency, in the public safety arena, how we identify so closely with our jobs, like, when, when see people go, oh, tell me about yourself. And the first thing you go, oh, I'm a paramedic. I'm a cop. I'm a firefighter. I'm a, you know what I mean? Like, like it's never like, oh, I like to go, you know, fishing on, you know, weekend afternoons. You know, it's, it's that, that it's always like, this is what we do, you know? And it's just, I mean, you go to somebody who's a, you go to a public safety personnel's house and around their house, they have like, you know, there's always something that shows and I, I mean i mean i laugh at myself because it's behind me right you know it's like it's like there it is in your face like of, of what what you are um yeah so i understand that transition and charlotte who commented down here um she charlotte started the ems as well and i found that new ems often move around where uh, a lot and it's about chasing the opportunities where they are 
or maybe different regions present different challenges. So, you know, Jill, you, you moved from North Carolina to, to North Dakota to just for, uh, to, to, to chase his dream. Um, you know, and, and now you're in the public, in the, in the public or private sector. Um, what has been your experience on that transition from doing what you thought you were going to do as a college student to where you are today? Yeah, it's, um, it's actually been great. Um, and I think North Dakota was never on my list of places to move to. Um, really getting away from the East coast was never on my list of things to do, but um, and I started to talk to just other people in life, the, the people that had the interesting stories were the ones that chased opportunities um, based on what they wanted to do. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I like, you know, if there's an opportunity in North Dakota, I'm going to go for it. Um, and even when I was looking at jobs after I graduated, I wanted to get back to the East Coast, so I was trying to focus my job search on the East Coast, but um, I also knew with emergency management, you could go almost anywhere in the country, um, really anywhere in the world. Um, so I wasn't, for, for the right opportunity, I wasn't going to limit myself to um, a specific area. And I think if you don't limit yourself, um, and if you have that ability not to, um, you could have some really cool opportunities um, because what the what um, residents face on the East Coast is different than West Coast. We don't have the earthquakes that you all have in um, uh, in California. We don't have the wildfires. So I think a different set of um, risks and experiences based on regions. Absolutely. Is that your same experience, Cassandra? Um, to some degree, but I also think that um, part of the moving around initially for new EMs is that um, we have this idea of what we want to do, and that's not always what aligns with what our um, true strengths are. Um, and so I think there's a lot of moving and shifting around to find where we can best serve. Um, and when we find, when we find that, that niche is um, when I think we settle down into um, what it is that we're going to do, where we're going to do it and how we're going to um, uh, serve our, our communities. Um, like right now I am, in um, a position for response um, planning. And um, this is not where I thought I was gonna be. I, I wholeheartedly wanted to do preparedness planning and nothing else. Right. And um, I, I applied for a position and the response I got was, do you, would you consider response? Your, your, your background is, is response. And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> so, um, I, I took that leap into that, that change. And honestly, um, it was probably the best thing I ever did. Um, second to taking the leap into the, a new career. Um, 
because obviously somebody else saw my strengths when I couldn't. Right. So. I think that's, that's, that's a great, uh, that's great insight, right? That sometimes we don't see our own strength as strengths that we just see it as something that we do, you know? Um, and then having someone from the outside, look at you go, you're, you're actually pretty good at this. Did you, you know, and you go, wow, I never, this is something I've always done. I never considered it, you know, like I, I, you know, I'm going to pick on Jill. But I mean, like maybe, I mean, planning would probably be a great place for, for you to be at just because of all that experience you had planning uh, the, the races, you know, something even you know, just as an example. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So kind of switching gears here a little bit, and you guys might not know about this because it's sort of breaking. Um, so Texas has just come out with, this academy concept where anybody who is an emergency manager in the state of Texas will have to go through the state academy. Um, what do you think of something like that? And is that good for emergency management or not? But either way, yeah, I'll pick on one of you if you want me to. It's like being in school. All right, don't raise your hand because you don't want to be the first one. <laughs> Cassandra, go with you, because since you had the experience in, in public safety. I, you know, I guess it totally depends on what they're, um, what they're trying to achieve. And um, if, if they're trying to get everybody in the state on the same page, um, things are going to flow much better that way. Um, but if it's, if it's just a, um, not really, not really thought out, not really something that's going to be implemented. And, and it's just pushing people through more courses that um, they don't really retain anything from. It's kind of a waste of time. Jill. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I'm not familiar with um, the, the program that Texas is, is rolling out. I think getting people the training that they need because I mean, emergency management is huge. There's a lot of specializations. You, you can't know everything. Right. Um, you know, so I think it's great to have those, um, th those training opportunities. Um, and if it's getting people on the same page, I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. Um, but yeah, what, what are the objectives and what, what, what's involved with the training? And um, as Cassandra said, what, what are they actually retaining? Yeah, I just it just came out um, the other day, and I was reading it. I, I have what the news press release was, um, as far as it goes, and I talked to somebody who had a little bit of insight on it. Um, I I know that Brock Long, when he was at FEMA, um, one of his goals was to create uh, his long term goals was to create like an academy for people coming into FEMA. So if you wanted, if you got hired at FEMA, it wasn't like okay, here you go, you are now part of the planning directorate. It's like you're, everybody's going to go get a baseline of what it is to be an emergency manager. And then from there, you go to your uh, to your different uh, disciplines. And I guess in that case, it's more along the lines of like 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 a military, not, not military boot camp in the sense of the physical side of it, but the military, military boot camp of everybody understands what it is to be in that branch of the service. And then you go do your job, whatever your job is past that, right? 
So if you go to Navy boot camp, everybody knows what it is to be a sailor, Marines, everybody knows what basic Marines are, you know, that type of, you know, Army, Air Force, Coast Guard, whatever. Um, and, and I guess that's, just, in that sense, I think it's great. But I started thinking as it's transitioning, right? Um, is that, would that be weird for you guys to be like, all right, I want to be an emergency manager. I've been in the job for, as an EMS for 25 years or whatever. And then now I'm going back to like a basic academy with a bunch of, people who've never worked in the in the field doing anything i mean is that is that a good thing or a bad thing with that having that people transitioning to have to go through basic academy so i i think that it's not a bad thing um just because somebody doesn't have what we would view necessarily as traditional experience in emergency management does not mean that they don't have experience or have something of great value to add um that's one of the great things about emergency management is that you can take any background, um, any knowledge, and it applies somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, the more the more you expose yourself to other disciplines and the knowledge of other people, the better um, you're going to be at what it is you're trying to accomplish. Jill, what do you what do you think on your end? If you if they said, okay, before you could call yourself an emergency manager, you know, you, you have to go through this, uh, you know, this is eight, eight month academy. Yeah. I think if I were to go, um, public sector, I would understand it a bit more. Um, and, and I, I think that kind of gets at this long discussion that, um, kind of goes into what, what you talked last time, your podcast last month was this professionalization of emergency management. And when, when I think of professionalization, I'm, yes, I, I think it's good to have those state-level um, certifications, those state-level academies even. But um, I would question what does that mean for the, the emerging profession as, as a whole? Would other states have to do this? How, if I go through that academy in Texas, but um, have to relocate to say Florida, how does that training um, translate? Does it translate? Um, So I think I don't necessarily see it as as a bad thing. And as as someone who is coming from a different career into emergency management, I I actually do see it as a good thing to get that base level. Um, Because even before I started grad school, I was taking FEMA IS courses and the alphabet soup that exists in emergency management. Um, but I think those are some lingering questions I would have about that program. Yeah, I, I have a lot of questions about the program as as well. I just want to kind of bring that up as something that's breaking right now, where a state actually went ahead and and made that uh, that academy, which I think is I, I I have part of me says this is awesome, I love it. The other side of me goes, wait a second, who's who's you know what's the goals of, of this academy? Um, and I'll, I'm going to leave my criticism till I know more about it. You know, um, I don't have a say criticism sounds terrible, but you know what I'm saying? Looking at it, really critiquing what's going on and, and seeing what it really means. And, but I'd like to see what this, what this turns into. Charlotte says talking about regionalization or going across regions, it makes me think about how we could share the knowledge across regions. 
And then, oh, she says something. She goes, I find that uh, new people in EM often move around lots, right? So I'll go back to that. So she's like saying, makes me think about how we can share knowledge across regions with different hazards. And and I think you're right, because like going back to the whole Texas thing, um, when you go through the Texas Academy, which makes sense, you're going to learn what are the, the issues, what are the hazards, the threats of Texas, right? Um, you know, Florida, obviously, they have different threats like California than North Dakota with, you know, than, you know, Maine, right? So it depends on where you are across this country of what threats you really face. Um, but on the other side of it though, is do when, when you start doing these things, when you have regionalized training, um, is it better for the profession or does it bifurcate or silo the profession? Tough questions today, I know. <laughs> uh, well, I think I think it's if you do if you do regional and it's you're focusing on what's going to um, potentially occur in that region, it's it's going to strengthen the capability to respond and to address the needs um, for that region. But but it does create. Um, kind of these silos and um, I would I would hope that um, that we wouldn't allow that to to happen um, but there are there are things that you know is if you're in one region and you're dealing with certain things you don't know a whole lot about what's going on across the country um, but that doesn't mean that we should stop learning about um, other things um, that just maybe won't be our expertise. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think even, I mean, the way we would handle a hurricane versus a um, earthquake might be different, but I think there are similar lessons learned that can come out of both events that can be applied across events. Um, right. so, so I think that sharing of knowledge should never be um, inhibited by a silo. All right, I'm going to ask you. This is a tough question here, um, and we'll we'll leave it we'll leave it right here. Um, there's a there's a debate the the great LinkedIn debate that's going on of should emergency managers be required to have a college degree or not putting in a spot so i think i think having a degree is great obviously i have one um i went i went back for my own purposes um but i also think that a lot of what we learn is through experience and um excluding people who have immense um, amount of experience just because they haven't had formal education would be a losing situation for us all. Yeah, I would agree. Um, education for me personally is, is super important. I also chose to go back. I chose to go to undergrad. Um, I think for the new generation of emergency managers, those people who are coming into the field as a career first choice, um, if they can have a college degree, I think that would be awesome. I think that's only going to strengthen the field. But for those people who have been in the field 
um, 20, 15, 10 years if you don't have a college degree and you can't go back because you're, you're working full time and, you know, emergency management, I don't know if your clock ever is off and you're, or if you're ever off the clock, it, it's hard and, and you, you shouldn't, um, you know, for, for those people with degrees, we, we need to learn from those people with experience. So it's, and then that, not not to go down other rabbit holes, but there's also not a lot of EM specific uh, degree programs out there. Um, and like in North Carolina, there were no master's programs. Right. So and not everyone can relocate. So yeah, yes and no, I guess is is my answer to that. I I also think that we would limit ourselves due to the cost of education. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the strongest emergency managers I know that I actually went to the executive academy with um, uh, does not have a college degree, and uh, he's probably one of the most knowledgeable emergency managers that you would ever want to speak to. So um, it does just because you have uh, uh, letters behind your name doesn't necessarily mean that you're that you uh, have uh, more knowledge or information than than some. Hey, you know our time is up. It's went by fast as it always does. Um, it's great having you on, uh, Jill. How can somebody find you if they want to have more information from you? Yeah, the best way to reach me is on LinkedIn. Um, just, I think it's Jill Caputi and then ABC, ABCP. I, I, I almost went in and started saying the alphabet. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I can, um, I'll also be sharing this. So um, that's the best way. Awesome. Same, same question, Cassandra. Um, so I'm going to do better than you, Jill, because I just totally blanked on my LinkedIn, but that is, that is the best way to get a hold of me too. And I believe it is just my name, um, Cassandra Nana. All right. And we'll put that information down in the show notes too, for, for people that are trying to look for that. And so that way, if you're driving or your pencil's not sharp, you can still find Jill and Cassandra because it's always great to network and find more information and, and, uh, both of you, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. It's awesome that with the, uh, with the transition to emergency management, I would say welcome to the team, but I'm sure you guys have been here for long enough. That, <laughs> but uh, it's always great. And, and it's, I always appreciate learning how people uh, got to where they are today. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us today here on the Pod Devote Show. Um, it's been awesome having you here. And I, I, if you have not joined us on Bullhorn, please do, uh, because it's interactive. Um, you can call in if you need, if you'd like to. And it's just going to be make this this community a lot a lot more fun, right? And so until next week, take care, stay safe, and stay hydrated.